Rising from the ashes of the first, a new challenger appears. Draped in rain and the moving cars, twins of strange proportions step out the shadows and into the light. One, a grim story from the soul of Seattle, the other walking at midnight. And as they appear, more appear behind them, waiting for their turn to be written, to be examined, to be lit themselves. This is the lightning bottle. Okay, we're going to do this. We're going to see how much of this we get through. I'm an old man, so let's bring this font size up a bit. The soul of Seattle rolled up into the hotel in a hybrid car, flipped her long ombre-coloured hair to one side and lobbed the 80-pound suitcase into the back like she was tossing salmon in Pike Place Market. Rain dripped down the slowly fogging glass, obscuring the view of the bay as she drove her fare down the freeway. It had been trouble getting out downtown. Even though the open sky and slick umbrellas are a regular for Seattleites orbiting the valley, she seemed to be the only one who knew how to fucking drive. Big splashy puddles lined the street of smaller municipalities, and slush kicked up behind the slack wheels of the many fine automobiles that scurried out the city as fast as possible. Rain, she thought. That's good. She glanced into the rearview mirror to get a better look at her fare, hunched over their eyes were closed and had started breathing deeply. The mixture of diesel, fossil and dynamos weaved together into a soporific tapestry. A silky, fine, low, warm hum that travelled up the spine and slowly shook the body loose, dragging the cab's passengers closer and closer towards quiet and content sleep. The soft patter of the rain was the only reminder of the world outside this safe haven, and the breathing got deeper and deeper, and soon the fare was lost to the world. Sleep, she thought. That's real good. She turned off the main road near the Katsu Burger restaurant and into the mountains, into the forest, taking the winding roads up steep slopes, following the path of streams, waving lazily along the route. She could feel the blood pump to her face. She could feel the pipes breathe. She could feel the flow of the delta, the root of the rain, the perfect constant life of movement. Cold light. Cold, she thought. With practice strength, she drags her fare to the stream's edge and looks through the stagnant pool. 
The rain hammers down upon it, thousands of rippling circles collide and clash against each other, haptic and hectic like a thousand dice tumbling out of a leather pouch. Cold, she thought. She went over to her fair and dug the phone out of their pockets. She gave herself a five-star rating and a modest tip. She went through the fair's carry-on and found a copy of a book called Three Parts Dead and a store-rolled joint they must have saved for just outside the airport's terminal building. The fair's blood had finally reached the river, slowly mingling with the fresh water and fish eggs. The soul of Seattle took the book and the joint and dumped the rest of the luggage into the hollow mountain. She would have to wait until sunrise, let the blood finish flowing. They would be forgiven, forsaken, then forgotten by the mountain. All promise to be forgotten by the mountain. The salmon would come, the salmon would come, and that was what was left of the 11 hours till daybreak. Once the book was finished and the joint long gone, she looked again at the midnight sky, her breath catching in the cold summer air. Cold, she thought. That's not good. (sighs) She moves at half a clip. (sighs) He breathes in his sleep. Are you happy? Are you joking? Are you lying? Are you smiling? Are you sad? He steps swiftly through the cold night air. Joint still ringing in his ears along with new and strange sounds he's not heard elsewhere. Does he know what he hears is a mirage of the sounds that he loved so much are capable of replicating themselves in a vacuum. That he has spent so much time in the dirt of the waveform but the noises appear like fey and sylphs turning his head and tricking his ear. That the right one will never fully function again. Does he know this? No, how could he? He's looked up psychosis once or twice, but never did he tell another living soul. Not until it was too late. Not until it was unforgivable. 
Not until he was screaming at strangers and crying on buses and trying his best to be all things to all people. Swearing he's hearing strangers wish him death while they're trying to read The Witcher on the train. Walking through marshlands, telling himself everything was alright and he'd get it together. And he doesn't need help. He'll later walk the dog and think that he sees a thousand allies and enemies all come at once at him based on the colour and shade of their shirt, based on the way they tilt their head. He'll speak of winter in hushed tones and take notes on the world that has left him at odds. But not yet. Now he just walks in the night and the rain, smoking while cars hiss through the ambient haze. And he wishes that his friends would understand, but he knows them too well. And that shit was sand through the fingers of death and of life, and it would seem as all he is. It would seem at all. He hears, and it seems that all he hears is conflict, and never the stream, the upside down love that is hate incarnated, and still he puffs on the joint he's cremated.
Still there is ego. And still there is ego. Still he walks. 
Walking on home. Easy to believe the haters. It's sure he's not to trust them. He's lost. At least when it comes to the inside of your black box. Soul of Seattle was written and performed by Oliver Morris. Walking 
Yeah, I didn't expect to do a second one of these, but we're doing a second one of these and we'll be doing a third one of these at least at some point. Found a little corner of the internet to do some poetry and so let's take advantage of it. Thank you to Amber for the artwork. You can support her. You can support me on Kofi. Thank you. 